Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, where we have smart conversations about all that and then some. I hope y'all had a really good August and thanks for hanging out with us while we took the month off. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, I needed it. Um, Now, if you listened to episode 131 back in the end of July, you know, I had some really big stuff coming up, really big stuff, life events happening big time. My son uh, moving out of state and my youngest daughter going off to college. Well, we did it. We sent them off into the world last month and I've made it through to the other side of that particularly painful life event and I'm okay. If still, you know, feeling a little bruised, a little the worse for wear, that was painful. I am not going to lie, but I'm okay. Now, some of you are thinking down the road a little or a lot about the day when you really do have to let your little ones go. And that probably seems like an impossible thing to do. A bit like the thought of going through labor, which, you know, is really the first time you have to let that kid go. It hurts a lot, but it's totally doable and survivable and it leads to great things. And actually, there's this odd sense of freedom. Um, though it also feels a little bit like being untethered, but it's a good thing. It's what we're meant to do. We're meant to raise our babies, to be children, to be young adults, to be adults, so they can function as well as possible out there in the world and to do good things. That's the job description, right? That's the job description for being a mom or a dad or a parent right from the start. Our job is to push those babies out of the nest so they can explore the world and discover their gifts and talents and figure out how to live. I think it's a really tough job for us mamas and papas, and all we can do is our best. And at the end of the job, whether that's at 18 or 22 or 35 or whatever that is, all we can do is really be as gentle to ourselves as possible as we lay ourselves off from the best job ever. After that, we're consultants, which is a really sweet gig too. I got to tell you though, I, I'm I'm not I'm not too ashamed to admit <laughs> I did not handle the college drop off quite as stoically as some parents did. Um, I wasn't a big fat teary mess. No, I, there was dignity. I was good. No one was embarrassed. But I kind of wish I had you know could have been one of those moms that I saw there who kind of waved bye-bye as soon as they dropped the mini fridge off in the room. But no, that's not me. I was a bit of a clinger and a crier the whole darn weekend. And then I had a panic attack after on the way drive home. Oh my God. It was just kind of a weird experience that lasted for a short bit of time. And it was a big one. I got through it though as we all do with these big, big events, right? We get through it. It's a moment. It's not forever. It's not the way things always are. My husband, who was in no great shape himself after having left his baby daughter at the dorms, was just about the kindest to me that he's ever been. And together, we got through it. Now, that girl, as some of you know, who have listened to the pod and read the book, was a kind of a bit of a surprise baby. And my husband was 
He was 44 when we had her, and we both remembered how he had said at the time when we found out I was pregnant, and we were both just dismayed. And he was saying, oh my God, I'm going to be 62 when she goes off to college. And my response was, well, you're going to be 62 anyway, you know, you might as well do it with a fabulous daughter in college, right? So now here we are. Lickety split, 18 years later, he's 62 and she's a fabulous girl in college. Life is good. Everybody's doing okay. Let's see what's next, right? So now that it's September and we're back with new episodes, we what do we want to talk about this week? Well, I want to start off by talking about some topics that we haven't really covered very well before and some that we want to talk about again and again. And this week, we're going to do both when we talk with Christy Ware, this week's guest. Um, Before we get to that conversation, though, I want to talk about my book. I want to answer a listener email, and I want to take a break for one of our advertisers. Okay, we're back. Now, for those of you who are newish to the pod, I wrote the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, a few years back. And in that book, I talk you through your prenatal care, labor, and birth experience with the perspective of an old labor nurse, O-L-N, old labor nurse. That's me. I spent 20 years working as a registered nurse in the labor and delivery department um, at big city hospitals. And um, plus, I spent time in the nursery and lots and lots of time in the operating room. A lot goes on behind the scenes in a maternity ward, in a prenatal care appointment that aren't necessarily designed well to accommodate women. And in fact, some very standard practices have, you know, they've even been proven to lead to great harm. And I write about all the inside information you need to have to really navigate your care and your labor and your birth, well armed with the knowledge that ultimately you're the one in charge. I mean, when it comes to labor and birth, nobody's really in charge. That's a singular negotiation between mom's body and baby's body. And that one you have to you know, kind of give up a little bit of in chargeness of. But when it comes down to the healthcare choices that you get to make, you are in charge ultimately. Not your obstetrician, not your labor coach, not your nurse, not your mother. You are. We just haven't designed a healthcare system that acknowledges or accommodates for that. So I wrote that book, Common Sense Pregnancy. And the bottom line is this there's a lot less to be afraid of than you've been led to believe. Yes, there are definitely risks involved with, you know, normal pregnancy and childbirth. Um, but most women won't be affected by them. Most women, when they're well-nourished and healthy and active and happy and safe and sound, they have healthy pregnancies and healthy babies. Most women have bodies that can accommodate a healthy pregnancy very well, thank you very much, without too many medical interventions. And our babies turn out fabulous. Now, our healthcare system is designed around those risks, though, and it's kind of all about intervening and tinkering with this and that instead of leaving Mother Nature to do the job she knows how to do. Now, you know, sometimes Mother Nature gets it flat out wrong and she needs some medical expertise to fix things. Most of the time, though, women's bodies know what to do. Most of the time, maternity units should just support that. 
So that's what the book is mostly about with, um, you know, a fair bit of feminism and science and humor tossed in, a bit of my story and a whole lot, a lot, a lot of common sense. So go pick up a copy on Amazon, at your local bookstore, at powells.com, wherever you get your books. Then if I haven't answered a question in the book and you have a question, send me an email at gene at genefaulkner.com and we can try and answer it for you. Odds are we've done a podcast episode about it, like this one. This one is from Aaliyah. I hope I pronounced your name right. I think that's how it is. Uh, Dear Jeannie, your show gives me so much valuable information, inspiration, and hope. Do you have recommendations of where to research the safest hospitals, birth centers, etc. for giving birth in the U.S.? I worry about the mortality rate for women in this country. I'm hearing all the time in the news that the C-section rate is up and mortality for women giving birth is up as well. I'm 38 and in the process of in vitro fertilization, which is not going particularly well so far, but I'm still hoping. As my partner and I are going through this process, we're looking to move from California to New Mexico. As we're planning the move, I'm trying to find out more about where I would want to give birth, what hospitals, cities, states are safest. Any thoughts you have on where to research this topic would be appreciated. Best, Aaliyah. Hi, Aaliyah. Thank you so much for listening and for asking this really, really, really important question. I love it. Now, and I have a pretty easy, comprehensive answer for you that's really simple. Go on over to consumerreports.org. They did an investigation of more than 1,300 hospitals across the U.S. and revealed that C-section rates for low-risk deliveries in the U.S. vary dramatically from hospital to hospital, even between hospitals located in the same cities and communities. So they did a really great article in their May 10th, 2018 issue. It's titled, Your Biggest C-Section Risks May Be Your Hospital uh, by Tara Howell. Dr. Neil Shaw, who has been a guest on this podcast back on episode 55, is quoted in the Consumer Reports article, and um, it reads a little bit, a little bit of, I'll read it for you like this. While being overweight, diabetic, or older can make it more likely for a woman to have a C-section, the biggest risk factor, Dr. Neil Shaw, MD, says, is the hospital a mother walks into to deliver her baby and how busy it is. Uh, Dr. Neil Shaw is an assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology and reproductive biology at Harvard Medical School, and he has studied C-section rates in the U.S. and around the world. And I got to tell you, I, I agree with him. He's not wrong. And a hospital C-section rate is a really good indicator of how they approach labor and birth with a lot of interventions or without. So go check this out um, on consumerreports.org. Org, and the article, again, is called Your Biggest C-Section Risks May Be Your Hospital. And um, then follow the links to their hospital C-Section rating system and find out how you're delivering hospital rates. If their C-Section rate is higher than average, then try to find another hospital or doctor or midwife. They do fewer interventions and C-Sections than obstetricians generally do. Um I write a bit about how to pick the right healthcare provider in the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, and there's a lot in there that'll help inform that choice. But seriously, go check out consumerreports.org too and research their childbirth section. 
then remember, ultimately, you are the consumer, you're the customer, and your healthcare system is the product. And you, as the customer, ultimately get to choose what to buy. That's a really important power shift from where most of us have been, where the healthcare system and providers, you know, your hospital and doctor, um, are generally seen as the ones in charge. But no, not really, though many sure would have you think that they are. Um, we're the customers, and the customer is the one who has the ultimate say. So consumerreports.org, go get it. Okay, let's get to this week's guest. Christy Ware is a pre- and postnatal fitness expert specializing in core and pelvic floor health. She's a queer parent, and Christy wrote The Non-Birth Mother. She's passionate about helping women regain their fitness and fabulousness. She's a strength trainer, nutrition coach, and core rehab specialist. She and her partner, Flora, are the owners of Strength and Soul. Let's get Christy on the line. Hi, Christy. How are you? Good morning, Jeannie. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well, really well. Thank you. So, Christy, I want to go ahead and just um, reread you know, the, the bio that I kind of read right before we got you on the line today, just because there's so much to dig into there. So what I, uh, just a repeat for listeners, sorry about this, but I think it's worth it. Christy Ware is a pre and postnatal fitness expert specializing in core and pelvic floor health, a queer parent. And as Christy wrote to me, the non-birth mother, She's passionate about helping women regain their fitness and fabulousness. She's a strength trainer, nutrition coach, and core rehab specialist. She and her partner, Flora, are the owners of Strength and Soul. So now that I've said all that, Christy, the big question is always this. Who are you and what do you do? Sure. Yes. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the, the great intro. Um, so for me, I'm that, you know, that kid in, in school that, you know, was never, could never sit still. I was the one that was excited for recess, couldn't wait to get out and be active, was on the ball field from the age of four and really took sports and health, um, you know, seriously throughout my entire life and still do. And just, mm -hmm. you know, just wanted to be active, wanted to be engaged and, and do all of the, all of the fun, you know, sports and, and athletic things I could do. And, in about 2010, so it was in 2010, I started a kinesiology program. So it was a two-year diploma program. And um, during that time, between my first and second year, I suddenly found myself laid up with a, with an injury. And, you know, you, you look to the universe saying, is this the path I'm supposed to be on? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing when you're doing something physical and what you're working towards, you know, as a fitness coach, and suddenly you can't walk? And so right. for me, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty challenging time, lots of pain, you know, really depressed, feeling like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And what I realized about four months after the injury happened is that I was diagnosed with two slip discs in my back. Mm. And the crazy part was I was like, you know, at the time when I thought I was the fittest I, I was in my life and suddenly I'm laid up with injury and it's like, why is this happening? What is this about? Um, so for Did me- Did you find the answers? Do you well, know? <laughs> I, I do. I, you know, in my entire life, I, my brother's, my younger brother's handicapped and paralyzed. And so born with a condition called spina bifida. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. And I bet, paralyzed. I bet a lot of our listeners are really familiar with that because spina bifida is one of the neurologic defects that um, are discussed a lot in conjunction mm -hmm. with pregnancies. Yeah. And knowing more nowadays than we ever did before, um, you know, as far as supplements and things we need to be doing. But obviously my mom didn't third birth. 
and she mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, has baby with you know spina bifida. And so growing up, he was paralyzed under his arms down. So for me, being the oldest of three, um, I did a lot of the lifting, a lot of the you know poor transfers, and you know not working in ergonomic ways. When you're a teenager, you don't think about these things, and so. That combined with many years of playing sports and really just pushing my body to the limit, um, I'm not overly surprised that I ended up with a back injury, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things like in the moment, I didn't think, why me? Like, what's going on here? And it led me down this path of, okay, am I going to be a fitness coach? Am I going to change directions here? You know, what, where's life going? And what I realized about six months into the injury is that I was dealing with a pelvic floor dysfunction. So it was bigger than me. I was doing lots of fitness training, you know, strength training and biking and playing softball and all these things, but I wasn't focused on the foundation and the core of our body Mm -hmm. that really keeps us stable and strong. So um, that is what I, that's what I believe led me there. It's all these things combined over the years um, that put me, put me where I was. So So that is your sort of what I sometimes think of as like your, your origin story. Like this Mm -hmm. is how you got on that path. So now, what is it that you're doing right now? As far as uh, work or as far as personal or? Well, you can start with either one. I'm going to ask you about both. You know I will. (laughs) Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, let's start with the personal because um, since the injury, I have had a whole new perspective. As we often do, we go through these experiences. I've had a brand new perspective on um, what it's like to be strong, what it's like to be healthy and to take care of my body. In the past, I just pushed to the point of no return and feel, you know, wake up sore and, you know, suffer for a few days and go back at it. And now um, after this injury happened and I was laid up for almost two years, I, you know, I just started looking at, okay, are there better ways I could be supporting my body? So now three days a week, I wake up in the morning and part of my morning routine is literally strength training, um, really small muscle groups that I didn't focus on before and really making sure that I prevent myself from going back to that place again. So yeah, nobody wants to go back there to the dark place, to the dark place. And it was, it was dark for sure. Um, Yeah. And then as far as work goes, so that obviously, so kind of two things led into the pelvic floor specialization for me. The first was my own experience, which often, you know, gets us down that path of passion and why we want to help people. And then the second one was a few years after my injury, my wife gave birth to our son and I watched her go through that experience, pregnancy and birth. And, um, you know, baby, baby's born and the midwives are like, here you go. Here's your baby. Best of luck. (laughs) And we'll see you another time. Yeah, that was kind of it. And there was a big gap for me watching that process, thinking, okay, she's gone through this birth experience and pregnancy and watched everything sort of happen to her body, but there was no support for, for the aftermath of what now she's going to go home and, and, you know, try to kind of manage. And so for me, it was, okay, so my, my public floor concern and, and dysfunction. Now my wife has the same thing from a very different experience. There's something here that I need to really dive into and I need to, to make it my mission to help moms really recover and, and feel good. So yeah, that's, that's what led me. And I think through our email correspondence, you said that your son is starting school this fall. He is very exciting. I'm, it's it's a bittersweet time. I'm, uh, I'm excited for him to start school, but I'm also worried about the outside influences that I'm not going to have any control over anymore. So, oh man, I know. How old is he? He's four. He'll be five in September. So, oh, so is it kindergarten or preschool? It is. It's kindergarten. The big one. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Sure. Are you already crying buckets? 
Uh, I, I, you know what, he's been going to the strong start program at the school. So we have a great program here in BC, Canada, and it's literally the kids start going to what they kind of call as a preschool, but you stay with your child there and they yeah. have activities and snacks and they get them used to the school and the playground and everything. So that when they do come to kindergarten, it's this really welcoming space. And so we've been taking him to that for the last six months until school ended in June. And he's, he's ready. He's definitely ready. So it's me yeah. I'm feeling nervous for him, but he's good. Oh, I, oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The kids are always like, okay, I can do this. That's right. You know, That's even right. the, even the clingers have more confidence than the mothers. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, same. My youngest started college and it's the same thing as when they start kindergarten. You know, yeah. it's that there they go into the world, <laughs> just like they're supposed to. Yeah. So why am I crying, right? Yeah. And I've raised them, you know, as best I can. I give them all the tools and we hope they make good decisions and, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Really good decisions in kindergarten are like, make a good friend, share the crayons. That's right. Learn That's right. learn what you can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Isn't it sort of the same? <laughs> Make a good friend, please. Yeah. Okay. Yep, Share your enough. stuff. Be That's kind. It. Really, what it all boils down. Didn't somebody talk about that? Isn't that all the things I need to know I learned in kindergarten? Somebody. <laughs> right. I can't remember who said that. There's got to be a book it, on that. It was there, a book yeah. a while back. Yeah. There, there is. It's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So, We've had a few other exercise and physical therapy specialists on the pod to talk about core strength and pelvic floor strength and postpartum fitness and recovery. And, you know, so some of my listeners might be saying, oh, that again. But I think that since that kind of, you know, healthcare practice, personal healthcare practice isn't routinely written into traditional women's healthcare, that you and I are going to do women a big service by talking about it a lot mm -hmm. again and in a new way with a fresh voice. So that's why I wanted to have you on the pod today, but also because you reached out to me to talk about, as I think you said, to, to share some of your wisdom politics as it relates to being a queer family coming from the perspective of the other mom. And, and, you know, that seemed like a whole conversation all by itself. So how, where do we start? Where do we start? Well, I mean, I, I would imagine if you have other queer families that are on the podcast or listening to the podcast and, and they'll appreciate where I'm coming from. And this might even relate to other other parents as well. It doesn't necessarily have to be queer families. Um, but for me, growing up, um, I never really felt like a girl, but I wasn't a boy. So I struggled with this, um, you know, I guess my own insecurities about who I was and not having really a label, if you will, to put on it, which I felt like I kind of needed. And so, mm -hmm. you know, by the time I hit 19, 20, 21, kind of in that area, when I was figuring out that I was gay, I, I didn't know what that was. I lived under a rock in Southern Ontario. I didn't have support from my family in that way. Um, you know, heard comments at home that weren't, you know, were very homophobic. And I thought, oh my goodness, how am I going to, how am I going to come out in this way? And, and what does this even mean? So I really struggled with my own identity back in the day when I was coming out. And so finally realizing, oh, I'm a lesbian. And that's, that's okay. That's, that's, there's lots of us out there and people that live their lives and carry on and have careers and have families and all these things. Um, so then I was okay with that. And then I sort of settled into that and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm good. I've got my confidence back. And then when I, for, to be, to be completely honest, I never, I never really wanted to have children. I didn't think it was something I would do. I, I saw my parents struggle mm -hmm. with my brother and his concerns. And I thought, oh my goodness, if I, if I have to repeat that in my life, I don't know if I could do it. So I was very yeah. close to that. And you can obviously appreciate. Yeah. Um, so it scared me off from having my own children. 
Um, and then I met my wife and she, you know, we've been together for, I don't know, six months, a year or something like that. And she said to me, I know that having kids isn't something you've wanted, but are you never going to want kids? She kind of put it on the table. And I said, well, I don't know. And we were, I said, I can't say no forever, but I'm going to say no for right now and just not bother me about it. So we, we, you know, a few years go into the relationship and we finally decided, yes, we want to start a family. We're, we're going to do this. I had, you know, gone to counseling. I'd, I'd done my own healing and I thought, no, this is okay. I'm going to be all right, no matter what. And so went into it. And interestingly enough, my wife was six months pregnant. I come out of the shower one day crying and she said, what's going on? What's wrong? And I said, I don't know who I am again. And I said, I, I'm not birth mom, um, but I'm not dad. So where does this leave me? And so that was this, you know, this whole weight, you know, on me again, going, what is this going to mean for, for us and our family? And how is a child going to relate to me? And, and all these different things. So um, that all came flooding back. And so we laid on the couch and we scrolled through a bunch of websites and found different names for mom. And what came up was interesting and, and many names came up and I thought, no, none of these resonate. And then finally, um, Mimi, which is spelled M-I-M-I and in Italian, mm -hmm. it means beloved. And I said, that's the one, Aww. that's what we're going to go with. Yes. And so we found it. And again, it felt like this, this piece that was missing finally kind of came into play. And so we mm -hmm. moved on from there and he, like I said, he's almost five and now I'm meme. <laughs> he's, he's shortened it to meme, meme. and, and we've got mama and meme. Yeah. And, uh, mama and yeah. meme. Got and it. Great. And before it was mama, mama and meme. That's right. All, I like yeah, that. All growing up. And so that's kind of where it all started as far as, you know, the queer parenting, uh, I guess my own perspective on how I've navigated the early days. And, and is mama um, sh shortened to ma or mom yet? Not yet. Once in a while, if Not we're yet. in a public environment and he's like on a playground <laughs> with some people, he'll yell out mom just because the other kids are. And we both look at each other and go, who does he yeah. want? You know? Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my listeners are, they're all over the world. Mostly they're in the U.S. and in Canada, but they're all over the place. And, you know, I live in Portland, Oregon, which is about as liberal as you can get. And so there are queer families all over the place here. It's widely accepted. It's just the way things are. I think we have the first openly bisexual governor of Oregon, Kate Brown. So, you know, to me, this is like, I don't think that I I don't know I don't know how much discrimination there would be against a queer family because I have a pretty you know I have a pretty straight normal family so I don't really know what I'm talking about but I'm wondering what it's like for you and your family where you are and what are some of the experiences that are really what are the experiences that I don't know about is that a fair question yeah for sure for sure and, you know, to be honest, luckily in my life, luckily, or, or if it's just the way that it is, maybe it's the person that I am, person my partner is, um, we're both very outgoing and quick to make friends and quick to be mm -hmm. who we are. And if you don't appreciate that or you don't like who we are, then we're okay with that. And it's, you know, you weren't meant to be mm -hmm. in our circle and that's okay. Um, but we mm -hmm. moved from East Vancouver uh, this past October. And so if you know anything about the Vancouver, Canada, East Vancouver is... Um, very open. It's a very, tons of queer folks live mm. in that area. You know, there's all walks. Of Got life. it. You know, it's very, very diverse, very, much like Portland, I would, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for us moving from that community with a young child and suddenly being this queer family, now we've moved to a rural interior community that is much smaller. 
um, much more conservative. And so for us, we I had a lot of fears myself. Um, my wife looks very what she calls straight passing. So if she's out on the street with with our son Griffin is his name, um, she doesn't she would nobody would question her or wonder if she was with mm -hmm. a man or a woman. They just assume she's with a man. So when I go out, it's a very mm -hmm. different experience for me. Um, so I was very fearful coming to this community, feeling like, oh my goodness, you know, is this is it going to be hard? Um, am I going to you know be bullied? Am I going to you know what are the, what's it going to look like? And I came with an open mind and felt like that exact thing that I did in is in Vancouver. If you don't like me and we're not meant to be friends, that's okay. Not we don't have to like everyone, whether we're queer or not. And we've moved here and I have yet to have a single problem. We've been brought pies when we first moved in. We've had neighbors bring us clothes that they knitted and an older woman across the way. Um, I've been welcomed into the community as far as the mom community and running classes and workshops and people love what I'm doing and I've met friends and it's been absolutely amazing. It couldn't be a better situation. So, you know, I heard things coming. Oh, good. Yeah, I heard things coming here from other people that had moved here or had friends that moved to, the, to this area and it wasn't very positive, but it was also like uh -huh. 15 years ago. So I think, I think yeah. the world is becoming a better place and I want to trust that for everyone. I do too. I do too. I love it when people bring pies and knitting, Right. you know, that's really all you got to do. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah, Just do that. Exactly. <laughs> and then, and that's how you be a good neighbor and you accept all kinds of people and you, you realize that, yeah, actually we're all about the same. That's aren't right. We? That's right. So it's been very, yeah. very heartwarming, yeah. you know, heartwarming to be here and have this experience. And, um, yeah, I've been at the Strong Start program with my son at the school and have had no problems there, met, met his teachers and everything's been fine. I haven't had a single sort of look a certain way or anybody seemingly judging uh -huh. me, which I really appreciated and, you know, just being myself and it's, it's been a good experience. So, Good, yeah. good. It's, it's maybe it's a good, a fairly good time in history to be a queer yes. parent. I yeah. just said that yeah. I was at a dinner party on the weekend and I just said that to another queer family member, not my blood relation Flores, um, and said that exact thing. It's, I am blessed to be alive in this time because things are evolving so quickly and kids are more aware and open than they ever were. And so are adults becoming that way. Yeah. So, um, very grateful for sure. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. And, you know, there are parents out there listening right now who probably haven't found that sense of community mm -hmm. yet. And so it's good for them to be able to hear a voice, you know, and connect it with their own experience mm -hmm. and say, oh, okay, we can be a community too. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk some more about your work. Sure. And um, so you've been in the health and fitness industry for a long time, like 10 years yeah, or so? Just over 10 years. Yeah. 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 So what does it mean to be a core confidence specialist? What so there's a company called Bellies Inc. And they are the certifying body that I got that uh, certification through. And basically, they um, are two fitness coaches that are pre and postnatal specialized and a pelvic floor physiotherapist. And they basically put together a program um, and a certification course with different levels and different kind of spinoffs that you can take and specialize in essentially that helping pre and postnatal moms um, prepare for birth and then recover their body after birth. And so when I found them, stumbled upon them during my own research after my own injury, I thought, oh my goodness, this is what I need to do. They're a Canadian company. I want to support them. They're local. Let's do it. So I, I, I dove right into the course and have them look back. And it's, yeah, really fabulous experience. So, and then your wife had her birth experience and did you, 
did you start down this path before the birth experience or did this evolve from that? It evolved from that, definitely. I found the work through my own injury and learning how to rehabilitate myself, but it was very specialized to back injury. And then once she gave birth and I watched sort of that, and we also had many friends and my sister gave birth around the same time. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is an epidemic. I need to help these people. Like what's, where's the support here? Where's the knowledge? And so I thought, no, I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, I'm going to dive into this a little further. And then I found the course and, and started um, certifying. Was, I think some of my listeners are going to know what I'm going to say next. You know what? Amazing things happen during the postpartum mm-hmm. period. Women create, you know, I, I say it all the time on the podcast. You've got all this energy that goes into, you know, the preparation and, and creation of the pregnancy and, you know, the evolution of your relationship. And then the birth happens and then you've got the baby in the house. And then all of a sudden you've got, you still got this creative energy going. And so, yeah, let's start a new business. Let's write a book. Let's, you know, rehab the house. Let's, you know, it's amazing. It happened. I hear these stories all the time that these businesses or specialties or, you know, you find what it is that you're supposed to do during that postpartum period. Yeah, that's exactly how it felt for us. It was, you basically nailed it. <laughs> like, yes, all these amazing things yeah. happened after his birth, as much as we were exhausted. And I was up every night helping breastfeed and diaper change and do all the things that need to be done. We were both burnt out, but so much good came out of that. So yeah. there's always a silver lining there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, I think especially for American moms, that happens a lot because we don't have um, paid mm-hmm. maternity leave. And so there's that desperate financial struggle of you got to hustle up something that's going to make you some right. bucks and figure out a way that you can, you know, raise this child because we don't get a lot of support here in the U.S. Of course. For that. Yes, I'm aware of that. <clears throat> Very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. To, to totally take it on a little bit of a yeah. tangent while you're on that topic, um, maybe some people appreciate you know this situation. I So I was the the breadwinner for the family. Obviously, my, my wife's given birth and we do get some support from the government. It wasn't much. I think it was like $700 a month, which even if she was alone, she couldn't raise a baby on that. So I was working. And right. just at the time, it was about a month before he was born, I switched jobs and maybe not the best decision, but I did because it was going to allow me to be home more. So I thought, okay, this is good. I won't be in the gym as much. I'll be at home. I was doing something different. And so I was, I was working with this uh, organic food company and I was, like I said, on the computer at home. And this was great. The woman hired me knowing we were going into having a baby and, and I needed to be more you know, home-based and stable that way. She hired me on. And six months after he was born, um, went to log on one day and she changed the passwords and she had she basically was firing me on April Fool's Day of all days, and I, the baby was six months oh old. Gosh. And I thought, "Oh my God, what am I gonna do?" Like I, I, we had seven hundred dollars a month coming in. I had no money. Like if she fired me, yeah. where were we yeah. left? And so, um, yeah, yeah, I basically had to walk out on the front porch and Flora's breastfeeding. And I said, "Gabe, guess what? I, I lost my job today." And she's just like, "What?" So we went for a walk. And within like hours, we had figured out that she had been offered a contract to go back to work early. And because I'd worked so much and made a lot of money before the baby was born, I could go off on um, parental leave and I would bring in almost three times the amount as she did and she'd make more money going back to work. So I ended up raising Griffin at home at the six month point until he was a year and a half and she went back to work and it was like a blessing. So there's always a silver, again, it's right? the it's always something that comes yep. when you least expect it and it changes your course, but it's, it, there can be something really good there too. So 
Yeah. There always is something good there. Even in, and excuse my language, even in a total Mm -hmm. shit storm, there's something something there. You just have to, there always is. And it's always way more obvious than you think it is, you know, because when it's all coming down on you, you're looking at the shrapnel, you're (laughs) looking at the things that are damaging, but, and, and it, cause you gotta, you're getting hurt and it's distracting. And, but if you can do, if you can rise above a little bit and look around, you can also see that there's so much beauty happening all the time, all the time, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I want to talk about, you have a big program that's launching pretty soon, don't you? Or did it already launch the fourth trimester strength series? Yes. Tell me about that. Yeah. Tell me all about it. So again, finding, you know, through the work that I'm doing, um, I do online coaching. So I work with women Mm -hmm. all over the world. I have a couple of Mm -hmm. uh, moms that I'm working with right now in Chicago and Virginia and a different couple places in the States and then a bunch of people here in Canada. And um, what I found through the work that I'm doing here in person is that the first, you know, 12, eight to 12 weeks after having baby, um, lots of moms are, are eager to, or they feel this pressure to get their body back or to start exercising and, you know, feeling the, the they want to lose the baby weight and lose the mummy tummy and all these different things. But what they're not sort of you know, realizing or they don't have the knowledge around is how to properly do that so that they restore their body instead of doing more damage. And so mm-hmm. with the programs and the certifications that I took and the courses I've taken, I I developed my own 12 weeks, so fourth trimester being obviously right after baby. So the first 12 mm-hmm. weeks um, out of birth, there is really basic things you can do, be doing from day one that help to restore your pelvic floor, help to help really get you connecting with your body again, and to help you strengthen um, the hips, the back, the legs, those kinds of things so that you are feeling good and you can you know, chase after your little one when they're you know, a year old and you're actually restored in a proper way, as opposed to running out to a mommy boot camp or going, you know, for a jog or whatever kinds of things moms like to do. Um, and so really was just focusing on that and how do I best support them? So there's a bit of a nutrition element and there's a do's and don'ts after, you know, after pregnancy and you just some information, but then also motivation and inspiration and little videos each week to keep them going and explaining what exercises they can be doing that are safe. And, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, just giving them overall direction on uh, how to care for your body after, after birth. Great. So, and where are they going to find that? Uh, so that's a fourth, fourth trimester strength series is the name of it. So at strengthandsoul.com is uh, our business name and strengthandsoul.com on that um, main page, you can find work with Christy. And then if you click on that, there's a box that says fourth trimester strength series. And if people have questions, there's also a connect with me on the website there that they can uh, reach out by email if they have more questions. Great. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I checked out your website. It's really lovely. It's just lovely. I oh, think it's you. a pretty one. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I just have a couple more questions for you that I want to wrap, wrap this up with. So how would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Ooh, nobody ever told me that parenting could be so rewarding. I So rewarding? Huh. Yeah. I, I, I grew up you know, my mom had me when she was very young and, you know, all, most of my, my childhood heard her mom and her sort of, you know, share with me that parenting is, is hard and, you know, kids change your life and not always for the better and sort of all these things. And now that I'm in it, I feel like I, I I didn't want it for myself because I was afraid um, of their fears, not my own fears, but things that were put on me, right? My parents separated when I was one and had all these sort of things that sort of bogged down. And now that I'm in it, I'm like, wow, this is really special and magical. And I would have missed out if I hadn't have gotten over that. 
So yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's just a question. Circumstances, right? You know, your mom was young. She had a child with special needs. Mm -hmm. You know, that's going to change your perspective a lot. Absolutely. You know, as opposed to, you know, have your children when you're a little older and educated and employed and have resources and health and, you know, uh, you know, that's a real different scenario. And I think that I, I, I think, frankly, I think parenting is hard, but what isn't? Everything's hard. (laughs) All the good stuff is hard to do, but hard doesn't always have to mean grueling or negative or, you know, it's just, it's what you do when you're doing your best work is it, you do your hard work. Yeah, yeah. I think it's what you make yeah. of it too, which is, you know, a lot of my outlook is what you, what you make of the new community that you're in, what you make of, you know, parenting. It's like you, you put into it what you want to get out of it and, and the rewards are pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, not to sugarcoat things. <laughs> no. Sometimes it's just plain hard and it smells bad, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Fair enough. Yes. yes. <laughs> and it hurts. Yeah. 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 Well, then my last question for you is this one. Where are you in your life as a mom? Hmm. As far as how do I feel or? Anything you want. Hmm. Anything you want. Where are you in your life as a mom? I'm at a major crossroad because as you know, from the beginning, my son starts school in a few weeks and I'm finally feeling like I can really dive into my business. I've been, my wife and I've been juggling so much in the last, well, four years, but more so the last two since we launched our own business. And we've literally been sharing our days. So I'll have him in the morning. She has him in the afternoon. We're juggling our coaching calls. We're juggling, you know, when we're going to book appointments and different things. And uh, I'm at a crossroads where it's bittersweet. I'm super happy to have him start school and I get to have my own sort of identity back in a bigger way. And then I'm also really nervous because of that. Also that change, I'm going to miss Mm -hmm. the days I have with him and I'm going to miss uh, the little child moment, right? So he's going to grow up really fast and and all of that. So yeah, yeah, I'm at a crossroad for sure. Really fast, but not that fast. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's not that fast. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, like I'm at the other end of it and I'm looking back going, man, that was fast. But, you know, what do they say? The the days are long, but the years are short. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to try to notice every little moment. Mm -hmm. And then we worry that we're going to miss all these little moments. But you know what happens is that they go to kindergarten and you get those few hours a day where you go get to do your own thing. And then you get back together and they have so much fun. Mm -hmm. So many funny things to tell us about that it's the next best moment. Right. You know, it's like you wouldn't, you wouldn't get that moment unless they went. And what I've found is that and then they go, you know, into first grade and big kid school, and then they go to, and it's the same thing. Each level of school or each each chunk of life mm-hmm. that of raising these kids, when it's time for them to go to the next big thing, you want to hold on and say, "Oh, but I love that, that. age." Yeah, exactly. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and but then they're going to go anyways, so you let go, and then you find out, "Oh, I love this." <laughs> I love your perspective. This is very helpful at this. Uh, at this Good. Time. It keeps going. It keeps going. Love it. it keep, definitely. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Christy, I've really enjoyed our conversation. And, you know, just the last thing, let's make sure that we give everybody the website again, strengthandsoul.com. 
And it is the fourth trimester strength series that they got to go check out on the Christie section of your website. Got it. Cool. Amazing. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much Good. for having me, um, Jenny. It's been great. And uh, uh, yeah, just so inspiring. And if, if anyone, you know, here listening just to, um, to really honor yourself and, and do what makes you happy and live your best life. So thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Do it today. Mm-hmm. Do it right now. Yeah. Cool. All right, Christy. Well, it's really been good to talk to you. And we'll talk again down the road. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this. Mama said. Mama said. That's it for this week's folks. You can learn more about Christy's work at strengthandsoul.com. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com. And this week, I'm going to spell that for you. J-E-A-N-N-E. Faulkner, F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R. So email me, Jean at Jean Faulkner. Tweet me at Jean Faulkner. And buy the book, Common Sense Pregnancy, will ya? We'll talk again next week. And make sure you subscribe to get every episode. Um, If you would, we'd love it if you'd give us a good rating wherever you get your podcasts. And stay part of this conversation. We've got some good stuff coming up and some big surprises. So stay tuned. Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Alex Ward at Sound Like Pictures Studios. Oh, one last thing. Just wanted to mention that Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is part of the Parents on Demand Network, where you can find all kinds of parenting podcasts in one spot. That's the P.O.D. Network, Parents on Demand. PediaCast is another great pod over on that network. And if you like Common Sense Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics, you're probably going to like that one too. Here's a clip. Hi, this is Dr. Mike from Nationwide Children's Hospital and host of PediaCast, a pediatric podcast for parents. Each week, we cover pediatric news, answer listener questions, and interview pediatric and parenting experts. You can find PediaCast wherever you get your podcasts and on the web at PediaCast.org. We care about the health and well-being of your kids and family, and we'd love to have you join us on PediaCast.